0: All right, so over the past weeks, over the past weeks, we have been talking about the assurance of salvation. The topic is absolutely sure, absolutely sure. And in the first week, we talked about various levels of interaction with God's Word, and what, where God's desire for you and for me is to receive revelation from His Word. And then we said that as regards the conversation of salvation that there is the nature of sin that produces acts of sin. And there is a nature of righteousness that produces acts of righteousness. And we, we went about this, I'm um, talking about God taking away the nature of sin when we receive Christ in that salvation experience. Last week, we talked about the three levels of of sanctification, talking about the salvation of your spirit when you become born again, the salvation of your souls, which is a progressive renewing of the mind by the word of God. And then we talked about the salvation of our bodies. When this tent, where, where, where uh, immortality will swallow up mortality, where um, incorruption will we, we swallow up corruption, where this body as we know it this body that it's tending towards death and aging will receive a new tent, all right, as we learn from scripture. So I trust that you were blessed by those. This evening, my work is quite straightforward. Um, for many in the body of Christ, they believe that it is controversial. Um, personally, I believe that if you have the spirit of Christ in you, this is not in any way a controversial subject. And what we are going to be looking at this evening is what exactly does the Bible say or teach about eternal salvation, or as it is popularly known in my generation, once saved, forever saved. What exactly does the Bible teach on this, all right? So we're going to go into God's Word. This is not going to be my opinion. This is going to be completely what the Scripture teaches. And I'm going to, for, for some people, the reason why this has been very burdensome to them is because some ministers of the gospel that you highly thoroughly respect all right you really 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 respect them you cannot imagine how they would be able to say such a thing and i'll show you from scripture i'll show you from scripture what exactly the bible says all right but before we go into the word for those of us who are saved for those of us who are born again for those of us who have been bought by that blood i just want you to say this again i am absolutely sure. That there is a home prepared for me. Alrighty, we are still warming up. Okay, let's go to our anchor scripture. John chapter 14 from verse 1 to 3. John chapter 14 from verse 1 to 3. And then our scripture for today. John 14 from, thank you. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2. It says, my father's house... In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So for you, for me, for every believer, Christ says he has prepared a place for us. We are not going to stumble into that place. We are not guessing. We are not going to find out whether we made it or not. We are not showing up at heaven and you have Gabriel, all right, flipping through the records and saying, what's your first name? Say so we didn't find your first name. Last name. Let's check last name. All right. Someone is saying, no, oh, the technology never is sophisticated. All right. They are not flipping pages. They are not old school like PD. So that's fine. All right. But the, the point here is that we are not going there to find out whether we made it. For those of us who are blood washed, for those of us who are saved, all right, for those of us who have received the guarantee of his spirit, We know of a truth that there is a place prepared for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. This is a promise to every child of God. This is a promise we are not wondering, are we going to make rapture? Are we not going to make rapture? There is no guesswork. There is no wondering. There is no father as I go to bed. If you come, please pity me. You know, if I'm sleeping too deep, wake me, wake me. Wake me, all right? There's no such funny, flimsy prayers of God. Please, no. God is pleased with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, all right? And I want to lay this down, lay these bricks before we go into this evening, all right? Because there is such a thing as sin consciousness, and there is such a thing as righteousness, consciousness. For the believer in Christ Jesus, it is expected of you and I to be conscious of, Of the fullness and the efficacy of the work that Christ has done for you. Yes, you might produce fruits that are consistent with your old nature, but the reality and the truth about you is that you have received a nature of righteousness. It's been imputed, it's been credited into your account. All right, so you are righteous. Not of any good works you've done, but we have received the gift of righteousness. True faith. In Christ Jesus. And now we are right with God. So I have peace with God. I don't know about you. I'm not wondering whether God is about to throw a meteor or some brimstone on me. I have peace with God through Christ Jesus. Jesus here says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's where I am. There you may be also. So once again, just say with me, I have a home. And I am absolutely sure that there is a place prepared for me. Glory to God. I said glory to God. All right, let's go to our text for today. Jude, Jude verse 1 to 5. I was going to say Jude chapter 1, but there's only one chapter in Jude. All right, Jude 1 to 5. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, To those who are called sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Christ Jesus. So, this is a letter to believers. Let's go to verse 2. We're going all the way to 5. It says, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. All right. Initial greetings. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. His desire was to write about our common salvation. I found it necessary, however, to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. To contend, or write to, as it were, go to war and secure the victory. That there is a contention here. Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4. Verse 4 first. All right. For certain men, now listen here and pay attention. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. They've come in, they've crept. That's the word there. So it's not an overt, it's not an overt night and day. All right. See, when error is about to be introduced, you need a huge chunk of truth. When error shows up as error, everybody descends it. Ah, no, that, that can't be right. But when there is a track record of consistent truth, then a gradual infiltration of error is almost unnoticeable. It says, for certain men, and I, I please do not see this as only men, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. He calls them ungodly men who turn the grace. Can you see The same thing happening in our day and time. The exact same thing prophesied in scripture that the excuse these people will use to power their demonic doctrine will be grace. It's not new. It says, ungodly men would turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Destroyed those who did not believe. Father, we receive clarity. We ask for your Spirit to lead us. It is your will we want to know. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we have prayed amen amen a couple of years back i was i was still a student in med school uh i was a student back in lagos nigeria the college of medicine university of lagos and i had a friend who was trying to see me the typical schedule of a medical student is extremely tight but well, at that time, I was teaching a group of teenagers. I was a teenager also, so it was peer, peer learning. I was the, t- the teacher on Tuesdays. So I said, man, my schedule is really tight, but Tuesdays, you can find me here. This time to this time, I'm definitely going to be there. Once I'm done, I'm running back to campus. He said, oh, sure, I can, that works for me. So he came in towards the end of, of our Bible study, and at the end of, of our study, I just asked one of my Colleagues, you know, friends to round up and pray. And the prayer of that person went in these lines. I'm trying to read this was how many years ago now. Some people can't wait for me to say how many years ago because I said I was a teenager. Okay. Um, all right. So um the person praying said, Father, something like this. I'm not quoting word for word, said, Um, may this word not be used against us on the day of judgment. And something like, help us not to backslide. Something like that in the person's prayer. And then we rounded up. And in Jesus' name, we prayed, amen. We shared the grace and dispersed everybody. So I met my friend. He had been a while. Oh, how are you doing? It's good to see you. And, and then he, he said, oh, before I go into why I've come to see you, just this you guys' Bible study. He said, is this what you teach here? I said, well, you came late. You, you don't know what we taught exactly, but, but what exactly is your question? He said the person praying. I said, yeah, what happened to the person praying? He said, the person phrase that we should not backslide. And that, was the meaning of that? I said, what do you mean, what is the meaning of that? I said, it's probably an innocent prayer that he or she, I can't remember now, is hoping that this, they will stay to the end. All right. He said, no, no, no. Are, are you telling me you've not heard? I said, you I said, heard what? He said, salvation is eternal. That Jesus gives us eternal life. I said, yes, I know that. He said, no, you don't know. That if you know it, you will know it's not possible to backslide. I said, what do you mean it's not possible to backslide? He said, that means even you teaching them, you don't understand grace. That's what he told me. You don't understand grace. So I chilled a bit. I said, what do you mean I don't understand grace? He said, you need to understand grace. He said, this is what he learned. Now, he had just joined a new fellowship. It was on the main campus. We were on the medical campus. He had just joined a new fellowship on the main campus. And what they were taught was that the moment they give their lives to Christ, they already have their boarding pass straight into heaven. That was what they, they were taught. And that nothing they could do could change that. Absolutely nothing. All right. So I asked him. I said, wait, I don't understand what you're trying to say, but what I'm hearing you say is that you can tell me right now that you are living in perpetual sin and that heaven is guaranteed for. He said yes. And in his words, I kid you not, he said I can literally be fornicating right now, the trumpet will sound and I'm going to heaven. I said wow. I said wow. He said yes. Now initially I thought he was joking until I met more people from that school of thought. This guy, when I met him, he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was on fire for Christ, but since he joined that fellowship, since he joined that, as far as he's concerned, his duplex or bungalow or mansion is already cut out for him, as far as he's concerned. But he was even bragging. Now, this wasn't bragging. He said, wow, he said, since I received this revelation, my body count has increased. I couldn't argue. I couldn't argue. I knew this wasn't a normal conversation. So I prayed for him and I went back to scriptures to study. I said, what is going on here? I started meeting. It was news. It was first in whispers all around campus. Once you're saved, you're saved forever. There's nothing that can happen. The grace of God, the grace of God is there. It's covering you. We cannot even please God in any ways. It, It is not by our works. He said all of that. So I said, okay, let me go to scriptures. I'm going to show you today what scriptures say, whether it is true that the revelation of salvation will cause you to increase in your sin level. Praise God, praise God! And please, 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 do not, do not, do not discount this conversation as unimportant. The guys who have believed this, they believe it at an ideological level, you won't win by arguing. You will need to pray for the ones you truly love and care about. You will need to pray that this lie that they bought from hell, that they will disengage with it, that they will break from it, and they will see Jesus for who he truly is. All right? Praise God. Praise God. So the question is, Is our salvation eternal? I am not going to mince words with you. The answer to that question is yes. The salvation that God made possible for us in his plan is eternal salvation. All right? And that is the premise. You know, I said that error that shows up as error is seen as error. But error that begins with truth and creeps subtly, all right, unravels. Very gently. So it is true, and I'm going to show you from scripture just a few scriptures, maybe a couple, all right, that God's plan of salvation is an eternal, everlasting plan of salvation, all right. Some of the scriptures we've read before, some of them we'll bring again, all right. And as I mentioned last week, the shadow, the shadow of our salvation is seen in the deliverance of the children of Israel Out of Egypt, out of Egypt, all right, into the promised land, all right, a deliverance out of and into. And the argument for those who believe this is that God brought them out of Egypt. There was no way for them to go back, there was no way for them to repart the Red Sea and go back. And that is true. So let's go back to scriptures and confirm that God's plan of salvation is in. Eternal, it is not new. The the adulteration of it, the poisoned version of this reality, isn't even new. All right, Jude wrote about it. So, we're going to talk about exactly what the scripture says, and I'm going to pick out a few. I could literally read a ton of scriptures, but let's just read a few this evening because of our time. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 26. Left to course, chapter 26 and verse 13. Left to 26 and verse 13. Thank you. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so you will no longer be their slaves. So God's will, God's desire for, for, for you and for me, he says, I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. Alright, the picture here is slavery there. Is, is, is symbolic of a bondage to sin. So this is God here saying that my plan for you was not just to bring you out of Egypt, to pull you out of slavery, but my plan for you was to bring you in also so that you can walk with your head's held eye. So that is God's master plan for salvation that we will be delivered out of darkness. We will be brought into light. We will be brought out of slavery. We will be brought into liberty. We will be brought out of chains. We will be brought into freedom. We will be pulled out from the bondage of sin and we will be brought into righteousness. That plan is foolproof. That plan is solid. That plan is collaborative. We'll get there in a minute. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, the holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, out of darkness. Can you say that again? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. We are settling this that God's will, God's plan is a salvation that is everlasting. It's a deliverance that is perfect. Alright? We are settling that. And then we will we will progress to see at what point the error crept in, into this conversation. Alright? Colossians 1.13, thank you. It says, He has delivered us. Talking to believers now. For as many of us who are saved. For as many of us who are saved. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So you see over and over again that reenactment of that symbolism of coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery, being delivered from the bondage of sin, being delivered from that master, all right, the devil, into the kingdom of His Son, the Son of His love, into out of darkness into light. Over and over, many scriptures. We just picked a few. So that is absolutely clear. God's plan was to bring us out and then to bring us in. Praise God. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. This is a scripture we usually read only in December. I'm bringing it back because it's strongly prophetic. Isaiah 9 6. If you can give it to me in the KJV, thank you. For unto us a child is born. This is a messianic class everybody knows. I mean, If there's only one messianic prophecy, most people know it is this because we recite it every Christmas. Unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. We won't go there. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Okay? We won't break that down today. Counselor. Okay? The mighty God. Okay? I'll skip this for a second. Prince of Peace. Okay? Now, the concept here of everlasting Father... In your original context, talking about the kingdom that the Christ will usher in, he says, "You should read it as an." Let me just put it literally: an everlasting fatherhood that will last eternally. That's the, that's the fourth year. So right from the foundations, all right, even before Christ, at the level of this prophecy, this is not a new arrangement that let's let's make this salvation you know let's no 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 god's fatherhood all right was that i will ensure that these will be my sons not just today not just next week not just for a few generations but forever everlasting if you can put it up in the amplified let's see isaiah 9 6 in the amplified version all right for on for to us a child is born to the son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father of Eternity. Alright, so the kingdom that this son is ushering into is such that forever we will be able to call him Father. Praise God. Praise God. Alright, someone is saying, P.D. good as you studied medicine and you're a doctor. Because if you're a lawyer, you'll be a very bad lawyer. You're, You're meant to be making a case. And look at where you're starting from. It's scripture. It's scripture. All right. This is not a law court. I'm not trying to make an argument. This is scripture. We're unveiling scripture together. We will see where the truth started from and where the error crept in from. And I believe it will help you. It will help those connected to you. Um, And I believe strongly, I'm jumping the gun a bit, but the reason why the enemy will not allow us to fully understand the mystery of grace is that what grace truly does, it, it supplies us with unthinkable abilities to do what we will not have been able to do in our own power or in our own strength. The enemy is scared of the outpouring of the anointing of God's spirit that has been ordained for this season. Very scared. Because purity, Pure. imagine a generation that understands and appreciates purity. Imagine such a generation. The enemy cannot stand that. The enemy cannot cope with that. So he says let's poison their understanding of grace. Let's bring believers who are all right. All right. Two more scriptures just to convince you that this plan is a solid, foolproof, safe plan. John 3 16. John 3 16. Everybody knows this. Ideally, we shouldn't be reading this from the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can see that from the most popular verse in the entire world that unbelievers know devils know demons know buddhists know monks know everybody knows this for god to love the world he gave his only begotten son whoever believes in him those ones will not perish what they receive is everlasting life they receive it is not temporary life they receive eternal life praise god i said praise god one more scripture to confirm that the salvation as far as God's intention, as far as God's ability is concerned, now I'm beginning to balance it, as far as God's intention, as far as God's ability is concerned, I'm going to repeat that again, as far as God's intention, as far as God's ability is concerned, he is able to save to the uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, Verse 25, if you can give it to us in the Amplified. We read this last week, I believe. All right. Thank you. It says, therefore, he is able also to save forever. This is a solid scripture. It says, Christ is able to save forever. Now, just in case you don't understand forever, it says he's able to save completely. He's able. Able. Somebody say able. Hmm. Wow, nobody beats the devil in deception. Nobody beats the devil in lies. Who would have thought that the very same thing by which we were saved is the very same thing through which such a huge error will come into the body. He's able to save perfectly. All right, for those who doubt it, he's able to save for eternity. Those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. Praise God. If you are writing, I want you to write this down. God's intention and God's ability is to save to the uttermost. And you can pick some of this to save completely. To save perfectly. right, To save for eternity. That is God's intention and that is God's ability. Now, remember what we read in Jude chapter 1 and verse 5. This is Jude reminding them, not all those who left. Now, question. Intention and ability. How many people who left Egypt did God plan to bring into the land of promise? How many? Did God intend to? How many? You're correct. So everybody, it was let my people go, all of them. I will bring them out and then I will bring them in. That was God's plan. That was God's intention. That was God's ability. God had all the power. The biggest in in chemistry or in biochemistry, um, they call it the rate limiting step in psychology, or what has now been adapted into management, consulting, and other fields. It's called a tipping point, all right, which is supposed to be the point that everything just, you know, breaks through. The biggest deal in that equation was the crossing of the Red Sea. In chemistry, we would say that they had reached an irreversible reaction. For instance, uh, someone said, PD, don't take us to school, please. Please, don't take us to school. All right, so I won't take you to school. I won't take you to your chemistry class. But let's say A plus B. I'm taking you to, kin- to kindergarten. <laughs> if A plus B equals to C, and you can take C back to A plus B, then what you have there is a reversible reaction. However, if A plus B becomes C, and on the standard standard, People say no, I don't want to remember chemistry. Understand that temperature pressure in an ideal condition, C can go back to A plus B. Then what you have is a reversible reaction. Now, when we look at the picture of the shadow of our deliverance from darkness, we can see that God deliberately inserted an irreversible step there, which is the crossing of the Red Sea. That I will make it impossible for you to go back to Egypt. I will make it impossible for you to go back to Egypt. I will make it important. You will not be able to get ships. You will never be able to, I mean, the Bible tells us Moses stretched forth his hand and the, 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 the sea parted and the Israelites walked through on dry land. All right, they got there in Exodus 16, sang a wonderful song. Bible tells us about the prophetess, all right, Miriam, and how they danced and rejoiced and all of those shortly after. They had left Egypt. But Egypt had not left them. They had left Egypt physically, but they had not left in their mind. They had received, as it were, a taste of the born-again experience. They did not allow their minds to be renewed, such that they would receive what we learned last week, the consummation, the eventual salvation of our bodies, what the down payment was made for. The down payment was not made for our sins. Our sins were paid for in full. The down payment was made that he is able to save to the uttermost. That as your spirit has experienced this rebirth, as you submit yourself to his lordship, and you allow your minds to be renewed by his word, not going back to sin and saying that the grace of God permits this, but allowing your minds to be renewed, then the eventual consummation, what the Spirit of God was a guarantee for, is that we will receive new tents. We will receive new tents. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 to 6. It says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to it? Let's go all the way to verse six. We remember the fish. We remember the fish. We remember what we ate freely in Egypt. I remember when I was living in sin. I remember when I could go from from you not know, the way boys brag about body count. Go from this person to this person. And that's what they discuss in their rooms. Oh, that ah, no, I, uh, no, I'm not just coming for the men this evening, the ladies too, all of us. Sometimes you feel a need to brag about your past. I tell someone that this thing you just did. Thank God for Jesus. I remember when I was a non-believer. If you had done this same thing, if you had done this same thing, the way I will have treated you, you and you find people literally missing the old self, missing the old self. I remember when my Friday nights were not boring. I remember when we would go to the club, you know, and loud music. We have drinks now. This new life feels boring. It's just boring, boring. Well, yeah, let me just tell you: if you are finding your Christianity boring, then you're in the wrong squad. Let me just put that there, put that out very quickly. You've not you've not seen Friday night at KiCC. Praise God. Maybe I'm prophesying. We need to organize TGIF. Praise God. It says, "Remember the fish." We remember the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. What? He says, but now our whole bean is dried up. It's just 5 a.m. prayers. Read your Bible every day, pray. There is nothing like at all except this manner before our eyes. Reading the same Bible. Reading, reading Bible. I, I miss those days, man. This is boring. I miss those days. They devil say, You miss it? Let's let's take you back. So we can't go back, man. We can't can't repart the sea. The devil says, Who told you? You don't need to go to Egypt physically. I can take you there in your mind. I can take you there. Just believe this lie. Believe this lie. That whether you are in Egypt, whether you are not in Egypt, whether it's physical or in your mind, God is already. Do you know what? Let's, Let's take you back there. So he tells you, you can go back to your old ways. You can go back to your old ways. It convinces you. you can go back to your old ways. That's grace. That's grace. Go back to your old ways. The, you were a star fornicator in the past, all right? And instead of you to lay down and say, I received the lordship of Jesus, the devil says, pick it up back. Nobody should take your shine, you know? they can't defeat you. You are the best there. Pick it up, pick it up, all right? When it came to cigarette smoking, alcohol, all right? This fraud and all those things, all the terrible things you got, you were the kingpin. The world held you. The devil says, why are you waiting for anybody to pick up your shine? Pick it up again. Don't worry. Grace is settled. You just say a sinner's prayer. You are saved. Everything is guaranteed. Continue your old ways. In fact, now you can confidently get worse. The conscious, the the, the the consciousness of that conscience, this is not even the Holy Spirit now. This is just a moral compass of conscience saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. this is not good. This is, this is not good. This adulterated message of grace says, confidently do it. Your, your home is secured. Confidently do it. Confidently do it. Numbers chapter 32, verse 11 to 13. Numbers 32, verse 11 to 13. It says, surely none of the men who came up from Egypt. <laughs> so for as many were are holding on to that lie, let me tell you, you will be shocked you are about to be shocked if you do not repent, if indeed you received a deposit of the Spirit of God in you, if indeed you have received a spirit of adoption, whereby you can cry, Abba, Father, if indeed you reckon that the Christ has shed his precious blood for you, then there is no way under any circumstance where a nature of righteousness will consistently confidently produce a nature of sin. You are wrong. Wrong. You are mistaken. Surely none of the men who came up, none of the women, yeah, they were brought out. But they chose not to be brought in. That was their decision. It doesn't take away from the fact that God's intention was to bring them in. It doesn't take away from the fact that that s- salvation was designed to be everlasting. They chose. It says, From 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. They have not wholly followed me. Except Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenesites, Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have only followed the Lord. Completely followed the Lord. If you can give us verse 13. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all that generation that refused to renew their mind. That garlic, that onion, those pleasures of sin that you do not want to leave. God's grace allows us to enjoy manna. Praise God. Are you still with me this evening? Praise God. The pleasures of sin are not pleasures. The pleasures of sin are re for eternal destruction. Hear me again. The pleasures of sin are not pleasures. If indeed Christ has delivered you from darkness, child of God, do not desire darkness. Do not miss darkness. Do not brag about darkness. If God has delivered you from the occult, do not brag about the days when you used witchcraft and sorcery to to to, 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 to destroy the lives of people and you tell me you're now under grace, so you can keep on doing your, your... this is the same thought that fuels a, a dimension of Christianity that we have now. It's Afro Christianity, it's occultal Christianity, it's 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 a blend. It's a mix of God is fine, God is chilled, all right. whatever we've left, we don't have to leave it completely. We can go back to it, God is good with it. You're heavily mistaken. Until all that generation that refused to have a renewal of their mind, God said they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. They were gone. Praise God. You know, back in the days when it was time for testimonies, There was a common saying that people would say when they come out to testify. The first thing, irrespective of what the testimony was, is, and I I don't know where the origin of that statement was from, but it's a very profound statement that speaks as to us confessing our new nature of righteousness. You hear things like, and people still say today, I want to thank God for the salvation of my soul. That's a a powerful statement to make. What you're saying is that I want to thank God for helping me further to the lordship of jesus my spirit is born again yes the progressive renewing of my mind i want to thank god for the salvation of my soul that i do not have the appetites that i used to have before yes the onions and the garlic i don't even remember what they used to taste like Uh, the days where i was living in sin and frolicking about i don't miss those days anymore I don't miss those days anymore. I have my appetites renewed. I now have just one obsession... I have just one more craving and that craving is for his presence. All I want is to do his will and to please him. And I know I can't do that by my power. I know I can't do that by my will. All I need to do that is by his grace. I do not make a mess of his grace, but I pick up his grace and that grace empowers me to bring forth works that are pleasing to him. I do not wake up missing the days when I was in the world. You've been brought out of the world. Let the world get out of you also. Praise God. Praise God. Are we still in church this evening? Are we still in church this evening? So, is salvation eternal? Yes. He is able to save to the uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost, all will come to him, all will come to God, through Christ Jesus. The manner in which this error crept into the church is that what happens at the consummation of our salvation is being peddled to have happened already. So remember, I want to rewind a bit back now. I want to take us back to what we learned last week. And for those who were not with us last week, I encourage you to still get it, all right? But I'm going to do a very quick summary. When we became born again, we received the nature of righteousness. A full payment was made for our sins. The Bible tells us we can now come boldly into God's presence. In John 3, Jesus, having a conversation with Nicodemus, said, "Except a man be born again. We receive that gift by faith, through grace, and will become born again such that your spirit is regenerated. Your mind, the realm of your soul, according to Romans 12, 2, needs renewing, washing, washing with the water of the word, renewing, a change of your appetites. A change of your desires that someone who was addicted to pornography has so much been delivered that the thought of it alone is now detestable. That the appetites have changed, not, oh, I remember the days when I had 100 gig, 50 gig, 2 terabytes, all right? We are, not, we are not bragging about Egypt. We are not bragging about where we left. All right? For someone who what scammed people in millions, doesn't show up and say, thank God for his grace now, I can scam more people. Obviously, you know that is not the spirit of God. And that's why I believe that this, this false doctrine is in direct partnership with the devil himself. Because that's the confidence of deception. You need the devil in person. To be able to have that level of confidence in deception. But guess what? Guess what? You can't deceive God. You can't deceive God. Praise God. Praise God. So we talked about the salvation. The spirit man regenerated. The soul, the appetites, the will, the emotions, the longings renewed by the word. Submission to his lordship. Jesus is not just Savior, He is also Lord. The salvation of our, the renew, and this is why I think I can just announce it here. Our next teaching series, by God's grace in the month of September, will be renewing the mind. Renewing the mind, because it's a big deal. It seems to be the biggest deal in this equation, right? And then the down payment that we received of the Spirit of God, all right, as a guarantee. is for the exchange that we will receive for our complete, what Hebrews 7.25 calls the complete, the all-sanctification. Praise God. Praise God. So, at that point, when we have been completely sanctified, it is once and forever. The devil shows up and convinces them you don't have to wait till then, you don't even have to renew your mind, just say the sinner's prayer, Alright, believe his blood and and then you already have it, then you can go back to Egypt. Continue to languish in your sin. Let's read Jude chapter 1 from verse 1 to 5 again as we begin to tie this up. Jude chapter 1 from verse 1 to 5. Jude chapter 1 verse 1 to 5. If they can put it up on the screen, thank you. Um, I think we should jump to verse 3 if you don't mind. This was... Greeting, introduction, thank you. He says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly. This means do not just discount this lie when you hear it. When someone tells you that they can be born again, and can habitually continue consistently in their sin, without placing a demand on the grace of God to live a life of victory. To live a life of victory. To live a life of victory. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is brand new. That new creation, as it were, is a new species. That new species has a new culture, has a new language. If if you are still old in your thinking, in your ways, in your fruits and in your results, then you can't be a new creature. And that means you are not really in Christ. You are a deceiver. You are just putting on a front. You are not saved. Someone is saying, so, are, are, are you saying that you, now, someone is asking me, are you telling me you are perfect? Like, we can slice you now. Slice you. You are perfect. You are perfect completely because you tell us you have this confidence that heaven is for you. You have this absolute assurance of salvation. So are you saying if we dice you will see complete perfection? You will not find that anywhere. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb, They didn't have complete perfection. What they had was a constant belief in God. And that is what God is asking for. If you are going to call yourself a believer, believe. If you are going to call yourself a Christian, be Christ-like. If you are going to call yourself saved, let your mind be renewed. We cannot continue in sin and expect grace to abound. God forbid it. God forbid it. God forbid it, all right? What we have, let me tell you what you have. Imperfect people, saved, washed by the blood of Jesus, who are on a journey, on a journey, all right, continuously looking up to Jesus. They fall, but they get back up again. They fall, but they get back up again. Not people wallowing in the mud and saying, this is what grace permits. Grace doesn't permit you to stay in the mud. Grace picks us up. And sets us up on die. Grace picks us up, sets up, sets us up on die. Depending on what point you take a picture, all right. De- depending at what point you take the frame of a believer, you might meet him standing, you might meet him about to sleep. But guess what? That believer who is holding on to the works of Christ, who has received that nature of righteousness, knows that this thing I have done. It is not a disconnection from God. I will rise up and run back to my father in mercy. For the prodigal son, as far as he was concerned, he, he considered himself to just be good as a slave. But the father ran to him and said, this is still my son. This is still my son. But if you stay in Egypt, whether you stay there physically or you stay there mentally, truth is the father is there, but you can be brought out and you're not brought in. He's still a God of love. He's still a God of grace. He's still a God of mercy. You have to believe enough to come back home and to stay home. Praise God. Praise God. I say this to to help someone who is born again now and you struggle with an addiction. And I think we'll need a session to, to discuss exactly how that works. And how to break free completely. All right. Science has done a lot of work in this science has not been able to help majority of people we're grateful for the wisdom of our doctors our counselors therapists all right but there is a point where it it becomes beyond neuroscience and there is a demonic empowerment to that and what that child of god needs to know is you are free you have that consciousness of righteousness you are not enjoying that sin all right you know that God has delivered you from this. You have that craving, all right? You go back to it, you fall, you rise up and you say, Grace has picked me up. I am not going to stay there. Father, thank you because I have received the victory over this habit. Thank you because I received victory over this sin. I live a life of victory. You don't stay there. You can see the difference. No, oh, yeah, this is me. No, Grace is fine with me. I'll stay here. Stay here. I'll just stay here. You see the difference? It's subtle, but it's big. That's why an entire generation was kept in cycles. God said, you don't take this mentality into the promised land. This is not what the deposit of my spirit is for. This is not what the, unless it is not the spirit of God that you have on your inside. Unless it is not the spirit of God that you have on your inside. Matthew chapter 24 verse 11. I think they put it on the screen for me. Matthew 24 11 says, many false prophets will rise up and they will deceive many. Many false pastors, many false ministries. They will speak eloquently. They will use a lot of scriptures to convince you that you can continue in sin. The The issue is not whether the salvation is eternal. We've seen from scripture, God's plan, God's intention, God's ability is an everlasting fatherhood. is an eternal plan for salvation. That is absolutely true, absolutely correct. He says, But they will come not to show you Jesus, but to deceive. They will tell you to go back to Egypt, tell you to stay in your sin. They will permit grace, but sign of lewdness, immorality. Say, Continue, continue, continue. You find these churches that believe this gross immorality, no move of the Spirit. And people on the outside that these ones are jokers. I'm even better. I'm better than all of them, and I'm not even a Christian. I'm better. That's what people say. I'm better, I'm better. Like I don't, you, I don't need to be a Christian to see that what you are doing in that your group is wrong. See people in gross immorality, shouting grace, shouting grace. Head of one who went to a, a conference to speak a grace conference. And the pastor, we invited him. These, these co-false prophets. The, the host pastor told the guest pastor, since a part of your honorarium, we have a lot of beautiful ladies in our church. Just check them out. Whichever one you want, we'll be waiting for you in your hotel room. As part of the impartation of grace was in this conference. Since we are all uh, together. What 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 a Merciful God, yes. What a merciful God. What a merciful God. The objective is to deceive many. Child of God, please don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. If I told you that the exam you're about to write is very difficult, Einstein tried to write it. He failed. Shouldn't you be scared? You mean... Nobody has ever tried to please this God before. Are telling me I can please him? And then I now tell you that, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? It is now possible to pass this exam. It is now possible. Not because of what you will write, but the person marking it has already given you 100%. You're like, wow, that is what grace is. That is what grace is. That we can be empowered to please the Father. Now, what grace does... It's not that you write A B C D E F G submit and get hundred. No, grace will empower you. What Einstein could not do is brilliance. What is Tox could not do in discipline and mental, mental resistance. You see, you see, you see, you see an ex-alcoholic. I won't drink again. I won't drink or a cigarette. Um, an ex-smoker. I won't take nicotine. The, the way they are struggling and dying. Grace will just make you cease nicotine. I say, wow, I remember the days when this thing had me. And it's just people are looking. I say, what? You mean feel. I left Egypt. I don't miss the grapes. I don't miss the cumin. I don't miss the garlic. I say, what? I say, come and try grapes. I know you've tried all these, your scientific methods to, 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 I, I don't want to call all their names because those methods do good in our world. And we thank God for that wisdom but there is a supernatural power that is able to deliver completely. It says, For prophets to rise up and deceive many. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. They will still be in churches. They will still be jumping and shouting. They will still be showing up on Sundays, doing all their motions. All right. It says their love for me. What they love is themselves. What they love is their sinful ways, not me. Their love for me will grow cold. Verse 13, a warning to each and every one of us. He says, but he who endures to the end, the one who doesn't stop at the salvation of their spirit, the one who endures by allowing their minds to undergo a renewing of the word, the one who allows that spirit. He says, when he appears, we shall see him as he is, that this body, this state, it is growing in now. There is is an uttermost. spirit. Autonomous manifestation to those who will endure to the end shall be saved. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! All right, I hope with these few points of mine I have been able to convince you and not confuse you. That insert, um, there's one more paragraph in my notes, maybe. We should just introduce it and then we'll continue. And and interestingly, the theme for IGOC is very strong on mind renewal, paradigm shift, paradigm shift. All right. The act that brought us out of Egypt is an act of power. The act that takes us into the promised land is an act of wisdom. If you can put Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9 on the screen for me and Matthew chapter 25 afterwards, and we'll just tie this up and pray. I believe that you've been blessed this evening. It is my prayer that the Spirit of God will take these words, cause them to be incubated in your heart, to bear fruit, for you to realize that there's grace available for you to live a life of victory, not a life of defeat. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the Spirit of wisdom. Now this is what we need in this, in this, that that's that salvation of our spirit was an act of power, it was a gift, an imputation of grace. He says, now to continue in the process of mind renewal, you will need the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. As the Lord commanded Moses. We're all familiar with the parable of the virgins, Matthew 25, verse 1 to 4. It's a story. Many people do not like to read because they don't understand how ten of them were virgins. Being virgins there suggests purity. Suggests that they had received that nature. But some were wise, some were not wise. The wisdom there is talking about the oil of God's spirit. Being the vessel for continuity. The commonalities in that story, because of time, I don't want to break it down. The commonalities were that they were all virgins, purity. All right? They were all virgins. All right? They all started with oil. They all started with oil. All of them, commonalities. Um, They all slept. They all got tired at some point. All of them. The difference is that some knew that they would need extra. They would need to place a request on the anointing of the spirit for wisdom, for mind renewal. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you can bring it up a bit, praise God. I trust that you've been blessed this evening. I trust that you've been pleased. Do not fight the truth of God's word. Do not fight the truth of God's word. I want your hearts to be open and say, Father, I receive your truth. I receive your truth. I am not my own. The potter doesn't... The the clay doesn't instruct the potter. You are the potter. I am the clay. I belong to you. I belong to you. I belong to you. For some of you under the sound of my voice, you know you have been saved, but you've not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. If we were to check and audit your actions and to see who is calling the shots truth is, you are the one calling all the shots. There is not one, two, three instructions that we can say this way in direct obedience to the Lordship of Jesus. Abba I belong to you Abba I belong to you. Thank you, Jesus. I belong. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for the truth of your word and your light that has come shining this evening. I pray for the body of Christ, that you will help us to receive this truth as your will. That the covenant we have with darkness, the covenant we have with this symbolic Egypt, as many as have been deceived and have been lied to. They claim to be saved, but they have continued in their sin. I pray, Father, for your mercy to pull them out. Let them see your light. Let them see the true power of your grace, not as a weak force that permits them to continue their sin, but as the most powerful force in the universe that empowers them to live a life that pleases you. I want to pray for as many of that the sound of my voice, you know you are not saved, you know you are not born again. One of the questions we're meant to answer this evening is the question of rededication. Someone says, PD, you say people want to rededicate their lives. What does that mean? It means there is a new awareness of the terms of this relationship. I'm I'm taking these vows again because I've not been the best in this collaboration. I'm meant to be a co-laborer. I'm meant to be a co-partaker. I am meant to be a joint heir. Alright, but I have never for once submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. I thought I was born again, but I went my way. There is nothing in my life that is Christ-like. You need to be rededicated. You need to be rededicated. First John 1, 9 was written to believers. Someone says, if a Christian should sin, should they confess? Should they ask for forgiveness? And my question is, if you as a spouse, you offend your, your spouse maybe husband to wife, wife to husband, if they have the Spirit of Christ, you know they will forgive you. That's not up for grabs. It's certain they will forgive you. What the responsible thing to do is to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Knowing that you will not be judged, but that you will be received. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For some of you here, you've languished in that sin for so long without remorse. The grace of God is available. Giving your life to Christ for the first time, Rededicating your life or placing a demand on grace to live a life of victory. Father, I pray for as many of your children. Or for someone listening, saying, I've this life for so long. For 10 years now, 15 years now, I've gone from Egypt. I've left Egypt. I've gone to Sodom. I've gone to the worst of the worst. Lying to myself that I'm still saved. But now I have found the truth in God's word and I'm coming back home. Father, I ask, I know you are an everlasting, Father. I know you give eternal life. Your arms are wide open. Receive your children as they come in faith to you. Empower them to live a life of victory. Thank you, Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name, we are prayed. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Come on, come on, come on. Wherever you are, jam your hands together. Give the Lord a big shot. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O at kicc or through our website at wwwkicccanadaca slash God is doing amazing things in our midst, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you. Thank <smart noise>